Fishing Paul Bunyan Country, it's a powerhouse of Jasons, Jason Durham and Jason Rylander. And Jason Durham's prank on Jason Rylander. This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Jason Durham is a unique character. He and Jason Rylander have a lot in common. They're fishing guides, they're good anglers, they're named Jason, and they're very good friends. So, Jason Durham had some time on his hands and decided he wanted to prank Jason Rylander. So I was to set up an interview with Jason Rylander, which I did, and then I basically needed to get out of the way. The day of the interview, Jason Durham had it all set up. I needed to text Jason Rylander, tell him that I was not going to be able to do the interview, but my, quote, intern, unquote, was going to do the interview. And that was Jason Durham, a.k.a. Willie Peterson. And here's how it went. Good morning, this is Jason. Well, hello there, Jason. My name is Willie Peterson. Kevin messaged and said you'd uh, you'd be calling. So Jason Durham doing maybe the worst voice in the history of voices, almost like a Cajun youper, proceeds to converse with Jason Rylander and then starts the interview. Well, welcome to another edition of Fishing Paul Bunyan's Country. I'm Kev Jackson. He's Kev Jackson. And I've got Jason Rhinelander here with me today. Now, did you fish today? I have not yet fished today, but I had guide trips the last four out of the last five days. Uh, so I spent the, the last week uh, a lot of time on the water. Got my kids out uh, one evening because they were craving a fish supper. So I have been on the water a lot lately and fishing has been good the fish have been cooperating and eventually we got to the point of this entire ruse there are a lot of jasons in the fishing industry name a few of them (laughs) the jasons well one of my best friends is jason durham we're on the clam promotional team together uh we fish together when we can he's busy guiding and and i know you've had him on the show a bunch but uh jason's down there in park rapids and he's on the water every day helping get people get on fish uh and we've got jason mitchell out in the dakotas with his television program and i haven't yet been able to uh ever jump in the boat 
with Jason. I have ice fished with him a couple of times at some different clam events, and uh, I'll probably see Jason here, Mitchell here in a in a couple of weeks. We've got a deal down at Clam headquarters, uh, gearing up for. I know it's August, but we're already starting to think about ice fishing. So, getting geared up for that. Then we got who's the other Jason? We got Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. I think he's been on the program before as well. He's school teacher, football coach down there in Brainerd. And Jason sure likes to get on the water. He used to get to work with him every year at the Yopal Festival, but since that's uh, got kind of discontinued or is no more, I, I, I miss hanging out with Jason a couple of days a week down there for that. So there's, I guess there's my Jason rundown in fishing. Now, out of all those Jasons, which one would you like to fish with the most? I think it would be best if all four Jasons were in the were in a boat together. I can't pick one. That's not very fair. <laughs> so but I, if I, you I, but I if you had to pick just one, I think I would pick Jason Durham just because I know how much fun him and I have in a boat together or, or on the ice or just when we're together in general. Mm-hmm. Him and I. Uh, play off each other really well and my belly always hurts after I leave leave him because of the laps we've had. How much do you pay him to take you out? <laughs> uh, I usually do have to book him to get out fishing because he's so busy but uh, Usually I just bring him some Diet Coke and some hard-boiled eggs and he'll take me out. You know what? You should really pay me a lot more than that, Jason, to take you out. (laughs) 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 Ah, Good morning. I am so glad to hear that I am your favorite Jason to go out fishing with. What are you doing? (laughs) Can I I interject something here? Okay, now I'm going to have to edit that part out right there. <laughs> just put a beep in there. <laughs> uh, oh. With all due respect, Jason, that is the absolute worst southern accent ever. <laughs> horrible. I was, I was like, who is this guy? Man, he talks slow. This is going to take forever. <laughs> I apologize. You know, I can only do so much. But <laughs> and, and then the questions, I was like, oh, the Jasons in fishing, okay. <laughs> Interesting question, but okay, I'll play along. And you didn't even catch that I introduced myself as Kev Jackson. <laughs> well, I, You're supposed to be I, helping me here as the intern. I had no idea what was going on. I love you, man. Uh, 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 you guys. He, uh, are, you in, are you in the studio, Jason? I am. I actually, this is how much I love you. I took the entire day off just to come up here to the studio to co-host Fish and Paul Bunyan Country to interview you. Oh, God. We've had this planned for weeks. <laughs> well, you're lucky I was available. Oh, we I, checked on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that yeah, I, I texted you last week just for that reason. Oh gosh! And then uh, and then I texted Jason and said the bearded walleye has taken the bait. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. 
Uh, I got to tell you though, if he would have uh, if he would have done his southern accent before, <laughs> we wouldn't have done this. Oh my! <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. It's the best that I could do. From that point on, it turned into a great conversation on fishing, which we'll hear next. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast at becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi... Bemidji, one step further. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. The two Jasons, Durham and Rylander, are here today to talk fishing. Well, I am glad, though, Jason, to hear that you got the boys out fishing and that you caught some big sunfish. And, you know, this time of year, you and I both know that walleyes are still able to be caught, for sure, and good walleyes at that. But, boy, what a great opportunity to to get out and, and catch some of those panfish, too, before school starts with the kids. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, we both know what, well, I think everybody that fishes quite a bit knows what the month of August is, probably. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. Worse, August or January. January is usually, you know, that January, early February and August. So it's like, oh, man, let's go do this. See we can get to go today. But you know, when you get to the the months of January, February, even though you might not have the same activity with the walleyes, the chance of catching a trophy, trophy fish. I mean, that's if you talk to a taxidermist, a lot of times that's when their biggest walleyes biggest, are being yep. brought in. And that's probably what I find on Bemidji. That's, I got some, not necessarily me as much, just because I don't walleye fish as much in the winter and they don't have the permanent house like they do but they're spending their evenings out in their fish house using bigger minnows sucker minnows and fishing that evening and after dark and that's you're right that's that is the time of the year they're not catching 10 fish a night they're fishing they're sitting there playing cards having an adult beverage sitting there till 10 o'clock at night but they're doing it for one or two bites a night and it's usually a picture taker fish and and then getting let go and not to mention, you know, you talk to these anglers that catch these big walleyes, the number of them that are caught on a tip-up, a big oh, yeah. minnow and a tip-up. And I wonder if that's, I always think that's like a noise or light thing. Like, I think you get lights on in a fish house, shining down a hole, especially on a clear lake. I think that can kind of affect them, push them away. And then I really think noise is something something too that might especially maybe a, a, a bigger fish uh, older fish might be a little less apt to uh, to bite or come in because of, of the noise if it's the radio going or just people pounded on the floor or whatever I think that noise goes through the water quite a bit and that tip up you know it's set out there isolated and you know there is no light it's pretty natural and, and there isn't typically no noise near them so I would totally agree with that. And you see that now with the advent of, you know, side imaging or panoptics, using panoptics on the ice. 
and being able to see those fish move and just how much they react to anglers walking around. And you know what I love about today? You and I are talking ice fishing momentarily <laughs> when it's, you know, warm outside and everything. But pulling into Bemidji uh, this morning, I noticed the dragon boat tent set up and everything and all the activity going on down at the waterfront. And I was telling Kev that uh, I don't know, has anybody ever caught a fish out of one of the dragon boats? I don't think I've ever... I've never seen a rod out of the dragon boat yet. No, everybody that I've talked to that's in the dragon boat, that's a pretty serious deal. I think they'd kick you right out of that boat if you didn't have paddle in your hand. Well, I think we need to form a team. We need to form a team for next year where we just have one or two people uh, paddling the, the dragon boat, and then we've got a few people fishing out of it. Quickly lose all the races, but have more fun because we catch the fish while we do it. <laughs> well, wouldn't you love to have the dis- distinction of being the first person ever in Bemidji to catch a fish out of a dragon boat? Yeah, I think there should be a separate category and award for it. Personally, <laughs> um, so to talking about. August being tough for walleyes, you do get those occasional clients. That's their week of vacation. They want walleyes. So, so what do you guys do? Well, I, I'm blessed with a pretty good network of guys that are on the water, whether it's other guys or just avid anglers, and pretty good about communicating. And, you know, we're still all fishing walleyes uh, just for the most part anyway. You know, you don't have... You can have, I should say, because I have had, I mean, yesterday was, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever day it is, Tuesday, I had a phenomenal bite. We caught close to 20 walleye. It was awesome. And then yesterday, the next day, I went back, guided the same people, got out, marked my fish. They were still in the same spot. I'm like, here we go. We're going to catch the heck out of these. And we caught five. Like the weirdest, like I, I I must have missed the bite window or what happened, but uh, you know you can still you can still get out and catch walleyes this time of year. It's a certain lake will turn on, but uh, getting out and exploring water and just finding those bites is the big thing. And, and then utilizing utilizing my friends and other guides and just communicating, and being like, "What are you guys seeing? What what's the bite like? What's happening?" But just the last week, I've heard a lot of inconsistencies. I've heard Bimidji was hot, and then I, two friends were out there yesterday. One caught them, one didn't. So it's it's one of those things. It's finding the right pot of fish and, and getting them to go. I would totally agree with that, and I, I like that you mentioned the communication. You know, we all do talk a ton, and in our area, in the Park Rapids area, we've got six guides that, that talk every single day. Uh, but the big difference for us versus up here in Bemidji we just don't have the same population of fish. You talk about Lake Bemidji, you've got a big body of water, and it's just simple biology. You have more fish per acre of water. Um, or I shouldn't say more fish per acre of water. You have more acres of water, so you have more fish. Um, right. When we go out, if, if we get a handful of walleyes, we always say we've had a pretty decent day. And, you know, when you mentioned we got, you know, close to 20 walleyes, we don't have a lot of days like that. The advantage for us, though, we get so many other species mixed in. We get so many smallmouth bass. And I guided last night, and um, I think we had 
12 Northern Pike. And the craziest thing, I, I don't think I've ever experienced this before. Um, every, every single Northern that we caught, all 12 of them, jumped out of the water like a bass. It was, I don't know if it's a weather thing or, or what it was, but I've never seen that before. And we did get a few walleyes, and we got some smallmouth bass, and, of course, the ubiquitous champagne of fish, the rock bass. We <laughs> caught a few of those as well. So, you know, you get lots of bends in the rod, and even though people say they want to go out walleye fishing, when you've got a bend in the rod, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, especially, and I've got certain lakes that I'll do that on where, you know, we'll catch a walleye or two probably, but, you know, the pike or the bass keep the keep everybody busy, especially with, especially if you get kids in the boat this time of year, you know, I'll I always talk to each client, like, what do you want to do? Is there a certain lake you want to fish maybe or that you're staying on? Or do you just want to go catch a fish? Do you want to target something specific? But I'll push them towards that multi-species. Like, let's just go let's just go bend the rod. Let's go set some hooks and catch a bunch of fish versus, you know, taking your 10-year-old kid out on a tough walleye bite and you're grinding four hours out for, for them to get maybe three or four bites only. That's uh. I'd rather see that kid set the hook 25 times on whatever. Most of the time, they don't care. They just like that bend in the rod and a mm-hmm. bite. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important, especially with kids, that you just go fishing. You don't have to say, you don't have to specify what you're chasing. I had um, a family that came up uh, last month, and um, uh, the mother had set up the trip. It's taking two of her younger kids, and they were seven and eight. And she said, we want to go get them some, some big northern pike. And I... My first thought was they're awfully young, you know, to be handling a you know a big fish. But kids do it. I mean, they do it. Um, and I thought they had a lot of fishing experience. But then, as they got into the boat, the mother asked the kids, you know, what do you think? She said they've never been in a boat before. And I said, oh, really? So you've just done fishing off of shore? And she said, no, they've actually never fished before. And so immediately, I knew I didn't need to go out and catch. Uh, a big northern pike get them on a big northern pike they needed reps they needed the bobber to go down they needed that joy of getting just a nibble on the end of the line and that's where you need to start and those those bigger fish they come with time yeah well you get somebody like that even the small northern pike is big in their mind right like oh it's new it's exciting a 24 inch northern pike is huge and not even 24 if you got a 18 to 20 incher. I mean, when you're a kid, yeah. remember they're a lot bigger too. <laughs> exactly. Do you remember your first Northern Pike? I remember my first significant one that I thought was the biggest. It was the first year. So I was like in fifth grade and we were up in Canada. It was my first Canada trip. And I got one that was, I don't know, 10 to 12 pounds. Oh yeah. That's a good you know, one. A nice, a nice fish, but not, you know, now that I still have fun catching it, don't get me wrong, but yeah. that when back then it was like, I'm trying to tell my dad that we should mount it, and this is the biggest pike I've ever caught, taking a bunch of pictures, and heck, I don't even know if I got a picture of it anymore, <laughs> but that, that pike in particular is one that sticks out uh, in my mind and a, and a memory, for sure. How, uh, how are you guys doing out there as far as water depth goes and getting on lakes? Oof. Yeah, that's been a challenge this summer uh, a little bit. You know, I run a giant boat. I run a, 
uh, Crestliner 2250 Authority, which is an inch under 23 feet with a 400-horse Mercury on there. So it is a big boat. And people have asked me all summer, you know, are you having any issue getting into any of these lakes? And all the lakes I fish, I haven't at all. Um, but I have definitely noticed a variation in water levels from lake to lake. I, I look at Lake Beltane down in Nevis that's on the Mantrap chain. It's the last lake on the chain. It started out the season with the second highest water level in history. And so to have this drought for, for those residents was, I, I don't want to say a blessing because, you know, it's not a blessing for so many other people. Uh, but for a lake that has high water, um, to see the water level go down was good. However... There are far more lakes in the Park Rapids, Nevis area that are lower than normal. Now, if you've got some flowage and everything, uh, they're sitting pretty good. But I was on a lake yesterday up by Amaville that doesn't have a natural inlet or outlet. And I took pictures of the rocks and the, the stumps and every the wood and land that was out of the water that is typically underwater. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a little distressing and unnerving to see. What about you, Jason? Other Jason. Yeah, I, I don't have a 48-foot yacht like Jason does, so I, I haven't had too many issues on the lakes I fish. I mean, granted, now, accesses are lower, and uh, lakes are lower, and accesses are a little bit trickier to get in. I mean, I haven't been down, but I've heard Plantan is, is almost impossible to get a boat in, especially a bigger boat. I know the guys were dumped it from uh, the Walleye League over there at Northwoods, and... Uh, but I haven't witnessed that one personally. But the biggest thing for me has been bait. Yes. I love fishing red tails and creek chubs. Yep. Um, and actually, I have more fun going out and catching the red tails and creek chubs than I do putting them on a hook and trying to catch a walleye with them. But uh, all these little creeks, streams, rivers that I go typically go catch these minnows on, the last time I went, we were fishing puddles. That was the, 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 just the deeper holes in these little creeks and streams were the only thing holding water. I mean, and I haven't gone out and tried for them for, well, it's been two weeks at least. So I'm sure, I know it hasn't improved, but I'm really, that kind of concerns me for, you know, I'm sure they're able to survive. I'm sure they find those deeper holes and they, they make it through the summer somehow. I mean, in those hot, hot puddles, I just can't imagine there's much oxygen, but. But uh, bait, you know, even when water levels do come up, are we going to see a population, you know, locally here of on some of these little creeks and streams where I'm typically getting those minnows? Are they going to still be there in the numbers like they have been? Right. That, that's one thing that's got me worried with the with this lack of rain. In our area, it's been uh, just about every type of minnow is a little more challenging to get, and some of the bait trappers have have said that. Um, even when they put the traps out, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago when the temperatures were so high that they couldn't leave a trap out because the minnows would die in the trap because of, of water temperature. So you've got a combination of two things, water level and water temperature, that are that is affecting the available bait. But uh, fortunately, you can still buy lures and, uh, you know, you can always go that route of using something artificial. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. We've got the two Jasons on the show today, Rylander and Durham. Are the fish in different spots than you would typically find them because of the lower water and the warmer water? I wouldn't say so necessarily. 
Um, I think they adapt really well. And a lot of their location is due to just a couple things uh, that influence that. Uh, Number one is available forage. So they're going to be around food. Uh, Number two is going to be the structure. So on a piece of structure that you're used to fishing this time of year, you might just be, you know, out from it a little bit so it's the right depth because then the other two factors you have is uh, dissolved oxygen and water temperature. So really you take those factors into account. It doesn't change a lot, but it just might change that GPS spot that you've saved from three years ago is no longer going to be the spot where you're going to find those fish exactly. Right, and I would... I would 100% agree with that, with what Jason just said. Uh, you know, to most of my fishing is fishing a weed line, and I guess I'm not, on some lakes, you know, I'm not even really necessarily concerned about the depth. I'm just looking for that, that weed edge, whether it's it might be 10 feet, it might be 18 feet. It doesn't, uh, I'm just fishing the edges. Yep, I totally agree with that. It's pretty much what I've been hearing all summer from pretty much everybody fishing the weed lines. That's what they've been doing. And the walleye bite, I'm surprised, has stayed as solid as it has, is considering everything that's going on. For sure. Yeah. You know, the, that weed bite, too. We ha- I don't feel like we've seen as many deep fish, uh, you know, schools of them out deep. And I haven't seen as much bait out deep, though. Last week, like on Potato Lake, for instance, we saw a really uh, defined, established thermocline and we could not get bit on live bait. It didn't matter if we had leeches, nightcrawlers, minnows. We just really struggled. And when I finally changed and made that that switch to trolling crankbaits a little bit deeper, crankbaits that would run like 15 to 18 feet deep, as we were seeing that thermal climb, you know, pretty close to that, you know, 18 to 20 feet deep. When we started running cranks, we started catching fish, but it didn't last. And I think part of that was, you know, the, that surface temperature is fluctuating so much. Uh, because of our cool mornings and everything. And that's really been a saving grace for the lakes. But we're coming up into the most challenging portion of the summer where you could see some significant uh, fish die-offs of certain species mm-hmm. if we have the right conditions, you know, over the, really the next two weeks. So hopefully we avoid that, and I'm crossing my fingers like everybody else. Jason Rylander, how, uh, what have been the hot lakes in our area lately? Oh, I've been doing really well. Uh, Bemidji has been continues to kick out fish. I mean, it's it's no issue finding fish. It's just you know finding that right time when they're going to bite. A lot of times, it's uh, you know you might get on a pot of fish and only catch one or two, and then you pull up to the next one, and all of them seem to want to eat. Uh, but Bemidji's been good. Um, talking about artificials, I've been using the. Uh, all the jig wrap style baits, tika minnows, puppet minnows, jig wraps, kind of combination of all those. It's one day, one of them might work a little better, but uh, Bemidji and using jig wraps has been been real good, been fairly consistent. Uh, Big turtle um, had been is always kicking out fish. The bluegills out there right now are beautiful. They dropped that limit to five to protect them, but the mm-hmm. the size quality out there is great if you want to go get a meal for your family. Um, just get on some deep weeds and throw a bobber and a leech out and not only catch some uh, those nice bluegills, but you might might get to uh, reel in a smallmouth bass or, uh, or a walleye while you're doing it. Now, I've got a question for you about fishing that, yeah. that jig and bite. You know, you're talking about using, uh, you know, tika minnows, jig and wraps, uh, puppet minnows. What percentage of the time are you fishing them vertically Versus casting them versus trolling 
Uh, I would say 99.8% of the time I'm casting them. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, I think a lot of people don't realize that how often we actually cast those baits or, or even get the trolling motor going on a pretty decent speed and just kind of yo-yoing it off the bottom. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people think of the whole ice fishing presentation where you're fishing it vertically constantly and, and that's what they're doing in the boat. But it's so much easier to cover water you know, when you're making those casts and how are you working that, you know, when, when you make that cast and it hits the water, what are your steps that you follow to bring it back to the boat and trigger a bite? Well, I'm, I'm not bomb casting it either. It's, it's a pitch. I would say more, it's not, not long cast, tight, concise cast. I'll find the fish back off them a little bit and then cast to them. Um, you know, I'm casting out, close the bale, let that bait hit the you know, you can, they're, they're all heavy enough. You can definitely feel them hit the bottom. And then it's just a, it's a hard snap. I like to, a lot of times, instead of just dropping the rod tip and slack lining those things to the bottom, I'll actually hold that rod tip up after I snap it and, and kind of follow that bait down with my rod tip. And I think a lot of times that you'll feel that you can feel the bait gliding and it'll slow that fall just a little bit. And I like to do that just because I can feel I can feel the bite as they hit when it's falling. Then, and then the other thing I, I like slowing the fall just uh, as a presentation thing to try to trigger more bites. Not to mention, you but can see it; you can visibly see it on your line. Not necessarily your yep. rod tip, but you can see it on your line. Yep, yep. And then I'm just repeat, repeat till the lure gets close to the boat. When it gets close to the boat, I'm usually shorter rips more frequently before I reel it up just in case a fish has followed that lure and hasn't really ate yet I'll give it a couple rips while I'm kind of vertical yet before I reel it in that's that's about the only thing I do to change change my pace up a little bit as that lure gets close to the boat before I reel it and make my next cast well I get I get this question a lot uh, because people do compare you know using those jigging baits to ice fishing and and a lot of people that don't have the experience using them, but I'll let you answer this question. How often are you putting live bait on that on that jigging minnow uh, when you're fishing open water? A jig wrap? Yeah. Never. Same. But I, but people do. I don't Sometimes even... people do in the winter, and so they think about that and they're comparing it, and and that question does come up. So uh, I know there's a lot of people appreciative to hear that. How aggressive. I think you should be jigging that jig wrap, in a, especially in the summer. There's no way you could keep right. a minnow on there anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. So then, uh, uh, switching switching gears real quick uh, to bass because I know you are a very in avid bass fisherman. <laughs> uh, how often do you use a bobber with a plastic worm for largemouth bass? Um, probably not enough. It's very effective, <laughs> underutilized method. Um, and oftentimes you're, you'll, you don't even need a bobber. You can just use, uh, whatever those things were that I stole from you. Um, what are they? Cull, cull weights? Cull, cull, cull tags. Yeah. Floating cull, cull tags. tags. Yeah. 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 Just wrap that around your line and chuck it out there. It'll work. And you use, uh, bobbers for largemouth bass about as much as you use, uh, rod holders with plastic worms, right? Correct. Okay. They both work just fine. <laughs> They're bass. <laughs> I I will tell you this. On last Sunday, I went bass fishing. 
we went out to Beltrami, a friend and I, to Target Bath, just to switch up. It was my tournament. It was my United Way fishing partner, uh, Jamie, and just we're like, let's just go do something. Just we wanted to be on the water and just kind of like over walleyes. Just wanted to do something different. Set a bunch of hooks. So we went out, went out to Beltrami, and he's casting all his bass stuff, and I'm just kind of being me with bass fishing jason understands oh totally completely and uh i i noticed he had a bobber rig rigged up in his in his uh boat so i said i mean give me that so i casted a bobber and a leech probably about 70 percent of the time and we got out to some mid-lake structure and I don't know i was catching five bass to his one he was casting artificial plastics and stuff and my bobber just kept going down. It was, it was fun. He was just laughing. A deadly technique, and and probably one of the reasons they don't allow live bait for bass tournaments. Yeah, <laughs> for, for good reason. <laughs> what about the uh, Park Rapids area? Where what seems to be the hot spots right now? You know, uh, we're getting reports from everywhere. You got to remember that within a ten mile radius, we've got a hundred lakes, so people are hitting all kinds of bodies of water. I would say though that in the last two weeks, the boat traffic has definitely declined. Uh, even last night, I was on Potato Lake, and I think I was one of three boats out on the entire lake, and that's one of the bigger lakes in our area. But um, you know, we hear stuff coming from Fish Hook Lake, which is where I was yesterday morning, uh, and that was good. Uh, the crowing chain, there's always lots of people going to the crowing chain of lakes, but there's so many smaller bodies of water. Even look at the man trap chain and some of these little lakes that uh, kind of are offset. They're not they're not on that main chain, but they have little streams that trickle into them, like, like Boulder Lake, for instance. Um, you know, great bodies of water to target every species of fish. But then I like the ones, too, that are a little more off the beaten path that uh, I might take my little boat to. Um, that are up in the Paul Bunyan State Forest or up towards Itasca State Park and, um, and, and don't get a lot of pressure at all. You hardly ever see anybody. Um, some of them don't even have a house on them. And if you want to talk about pristine beauty, you know, it's a nice mm. little getaway. Yeah. Oh, I love lakes like that. That's, I do too. That's a blast. Well, guys, uh, what an interesting day this has been. Pretty easy interview for me, actually. I just kind of sat back and threw, a, threw out a softball every now and then. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you're open to making this work, Kev, because there's <laughs> nothing that I like more than a good prank, and there's nobody that I'd rather play it on than good friend Jason Rylander. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad that that guy that talked really, really, really slow is done interviewing me <laughs> <laughs> me too it was it wasn't the accent it was the delivery speed that threw me off hey jason you're welcome jason? you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> oh too good well i was i'll see you i'll see you uh you know not too long down at our clam event and of course uh, i'd love to see you in the boat again soon like I was. Yep. Actually, since I'm in Bemidji, we should probably get together and have lunch today. Yeah, I'll call you after this. You can cook some rice for me. <laughs> yeah, deal. <laughs> oh, for Jason Rylander, Jason Durham, Intern Willie, I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining us today. That is it for the week. Don't forget to join us next week. We've got some great shows already lined up. We're going to talk muskies with Kevin Cochran. 
And we are going to talk Alaska fishing with Mike, I'm sorry, Mountain Mike Haruza. That's just two of the shows. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you can listen at your leisure and get some bonus coverage too. Good luck on the lake this weekend. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week. Michelle, Bob, Bob, and you, country, country.